blessing, amen? You know, Kevin's middle name is Charles, so you could say this is Casey and the Sunshine Band, amen? <laughs> Keep walking on sunshine, buddy. <laughs> that was a blessing, thank you. You know, when you look at the news, which by the way, don't recommend that, but if you do, when you look at the news and the world around you, as a child of God, it's very tempting to be a little disturbed, concerned about all the instability and the mania that seems to be growing exponentially every year. But what's always been a wonderful source of encouragement for me is the realization that no matter how many things change, things really do stay the same. You see, what the world would try to convince you as a Christian is that the problems that we're facing today, they are unique to the age that we live in. No one has ever tackled the issues of the current day. No one has any answers. No one has any clear direction or wisdom to help navigate these uncharted waters. These problems are special for us and us alone, and modern-day problems require modern-day solutions. And as always, nothing could be farther from the truth. Because the horrifying reality that they do not want you to accept is that at, indeed for hundreds, for thousands of years, man has always remained the same. And what God has said in the beginning will still be true in the end. It doesn't matter where you live in a day where you're using a horse and a carriage, or you're driving a Tesla, or you're holding an apple in a garden, or See if I still have it. You're holding this apple in your hand, right? <laughs> the more things change, the more things stay the same. And nothing could be more true than in the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you. If you ever find yourself truly worried about the days you're living in, go back to your Savior. Go back to this point in human history. And I can guarantee you, you will find comfort and assurance in a very satisfying realization that what you're going through, the Lord Jesus did as well. Now, some doubters might say, well, Brother Andy, you don't understand. <laughs> there is so much warfare and oppression today. You mean like during the time of the Roman Empire? Such a peaceful time. But religion is so corrupt now, and people have no desire or knowledge of God, and they're sinking into depravity, and they're being manipulated. You mean like the religious crowd that Jesus was speaking to right here? Yeah, but there's so much hatred for God's people today, and it's growing worse by the day. Do I need to go on? No, I don't. Time and time again, our great high priest suffered the afflictions that we endure in this modern day and age because some things just never change. But there is one very real, very modern problem that we're facing today that Christ experienced as well. And I want to draw very careful attention to it this morning. This problem, I believe, is one of the most relevant that's going on. Brother Andy, we want a relevant sermon. We want a contemporary sermon. We'll make it contemporary. Amen. There you go. Relevant and contemporary. Contemporary. No. But this is one of the most relevant going on. And I want you to hear this. I do believe it is extremely urgent to those of you who are students, those of you in the workforce, and those of you who have young children and grandchildren, the passage we just read 
tells a portion of Christ's ministry that's critical to all the rest. I love this chapter because during the day of rest, Christ decided not to pull any punches. I mean, he was just telling it like it is, speaking truth after truth. This is one of the most shocking and stunning and aggressive sermons that Jesus Christ ever preached on his time on earth. But why? Because Christ came face to face with a very modern problem. You see, the Pharisees were now growing very tired of Jesus. He was starting to become an issue for their agenda and their regime and their objectives. Jesus Christ was becoming really an antithesis of literally everything the Pharisees stood for. And they being a deeply entrenched religious and political power, I mean, that, that was not going to stand. By the way, if you want to know who's truly evil in this world, just look to the people who are displeased when God is being praised and when people's lives are being changed. Who in the world would have a problem with people who are lame and who are sick and who are possessed, who are deaf, being miraculously healed? Who on earth would have a problem with that? Evil, evil men. So how are they going to deal with Christ? Yeah. They can't kill him. They want to, but they can't kill him outright. What's a heathen to do? What they decided to do, and what so many do today, and what people have been doing all throughout history is employ a very powerful weapon. They tried to put a label on Christ. I have with me today, I think I do. Yep, there it is. How many of you know what this is? I have a label maker. I'm curious, how many of you have used one of these before? I'm just curious. Some of you, yeah, yeah. These things are fun. Do you know how much fun these are? I did this with a teenager a few weeks ago. Oh, boy, too much power. I love these things. This is a label maker. Now, here's the thing. There's nothing inherently evil or wrong. Throw these in the trash. We're going to have a label burning outside. Um, there's nothing wrong with labels. In fact, the very first objective and mission and job that God gave mankind was what? To label, to categorize and name every creature on the earth. Nothing wrong with that. Can you imagine Adam, by the way? Okay, you're a beaver. You're a duck. You're hairy. You've got the beak of a duck and the webbed feet, and you've got the tail of a beaver. I just named that thing. And you lay eggs? I'll call you a platypus. I don't know. I give up. <laughs> Labels can be important. Like, I was during the age of McDonald's when they were like, all right, crew, we're putting labels in all our coffee. What's it going to say? Hot. That's <laughs> like, apparently you need a label for someone to know that's hot. But not too many times, people use this for evil, as man always does. Sometimes they use derogatory or mean or just, frankly, cruel labels in order to accomplish something. I'm going to give you one that people called me when I was a kid. There we go. N-E-R-D. Wait, hold on. Nerd! <laughs> now, listen, can I put that here? Camera guys, can you zoom in and only show this the rest of the sermon? No, okay, won't do that. But this was a label I heard when I was nine. Just because I read The Hobbit, or I knew a little bit about Star Wars, and I was homeschooled, <laughs> because they called me this. And in the 90s, this was not a nice word. This is a derogatory term, okay? This is a mean label. Where are my feelings? You, clearly, I've gotten over it, can you tell? But this is a label, Right? The problem is, too often, 
People use labels to discourage, to demonize, and even destroy. And that is precisely what the Pharisees were trying to do with Jesus Christ. It's one of the oldest tricks in the book. And I don't think I have to go into great detail of how infested and obsessed our society is with throwing out labels to every single thing imaginable. Our world is filled with label makers. With ignorance and contempt, they throw out empty words to try and discredit and demean those that they disagree with. And for a child of God, you are going to be their greatest target. You will receive more labels than anyone else in the world. Why? Because you're like your Lord. And how many of you would like to be called a demon or the Lord of all demons? Well, that was a label. And so many others, they were trying to stick to the Savior. But why? Why do they do this to a merciful and loving Messiah? And why do they do it to his children? Three reasons I want to draw your attention this morning that I think will apply to all of us. The reason for these label makers was first, number one, they wanted to control Christ. They wanted to control Christ. Look at verse 22 again. Then he was brought unto him, one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts. You know, there is a very pervasive but all-important truth that goes unspoken in our society. And that is, to live in this world, we have to play by a certain set of rules. Those rules are unspoken, but they are meant to be understood. You see, there are certain boundaries and tolerances that the world will allow as long as you do not upset the status quo. Well, you can do what you want. You can believe what you want. You can even commit crimes if you want, to some degree, as long as you do not disrupt the program, the agenda, the objective that the world is seeking. As long as you remain within the parameters that they set, you can be the most reprehensible person imaginable, and you will still be accepted, be tolerated, and you'll be safe. This is why the Pharisees would desire to choose to trade the life of their Messiah for a murderer. Why would you do that? Because the murderer did not upset the program. He played by their rules. You see, control means everything in this world. Again, you're permitted to go in any direction that you want, in religion, in lifestyle, in any behavior that you can conceive, as long as they deem it acceptable. As long as you live by their standards and you live by their approval. It doesn't matter that it's always changing. It doesn't matter that there's no basis for their morality or lack thereof. As long as you don't go poking around and questioning them, as long as you stay in line, everything's going to be okay. Because the sad truth this morning is most people really don't want freedom. They don't want individual responsibility or accountability. They want protection. They want provision. They want to feel safe. And make no mistake, the offer of control from the world is the most unsafe place that you can be. But man, they sure do have a great marketing department. The world promises that if you stay in line with them, then you will be loved and you'll be accepted 
and you'll be respected. And if you don't, if you're like this Jesus of Nazareth, then things are going to get ugly. I want you to think for a moment to consider who Jesus Christ really was. He was the king of kings. And yet he was not a revolutionary. He did not seek to overthrow governments or topple empires, even though he could have. He was the creator of the entire world and the universe without. And yet he was not a global activist. He was the author and the giver of the law, and yet he did not seek to punish or destroy all of those who violated it. But rather, he sought to forgive, to heal, and to pardon. Because you see, if Jesus Christ was indeed a revolutionary or an activist or anything else, they would have found him more tolerable. But what was unacceptable is he was simply a man who would not be controlled by them. He was the Son of God who spoke the truth. Not their truth, not the narrative, just the truth. He was a man who said not to fear those who will kill the body but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to both destroy the soul and body in hell. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, whoa. Sorry, folks. Jesus, come here. (laughs) Listen, buddy. We don't talk like that around here. We don't say things like that, man. What are, you, what, are you, what are you doing? You're making people mad. Why don't you take a few days off? You know, we'll, we'll, get the, we'll get the public relations out here. We'll do some damage control. We'll straighten up your image a little, Jesus. He's just joking, folks. It's okay. Don't say things like that. We don't, we don't talk like that, Jesus, okay? Do you understand? We'll, we'll be fine. We'll be, it's all fine. Can you hear it? Do you imagine if Jesus lived today, the public relations? We do not endorse... Nike does not endorse nor support the words of Jesus Christ. We are aghast. We are insulted. We are disgusted. No more swooshes with his name on it. But all the athletes love to claim him. Jesus Christ said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls. But then he says something interesting. He says, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Now, now, wait a minute. That statement by itself is a comparison. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Whoa, wait a minute. Who has the hard yoke? Who has the heavy burden? They do. And if you start believing the truth, then they start losing control. Because then maybe... Just maybe their opinion on how the world operates is flawed. Maybe their perspective on relationships or your body or how to raise your children is not the right one. Maybe their estimation on what your priorities should be are incorrect. Maybe what they consider to be true and what they tell you is the only thing is true is nothing but lies. You see, the whole system starts to fall apart. The entire country shuts down because of an epidemic, especially churches. Churches are not allowed to meet, but they let bars and CD enterprises and mass protests are allowed to gather, and one person dares to say, this seems kind of targeted. Uh-oh. They get mad. Then the labels start flinging out. When you start speaking the truth, especially the truth of this book, Jesus Christ says the words of my Father, 
you're going to start hearing their words. Words like you're antiquated. You're a relic. You're ignorant. You're uneducated. You're out of touch. You're backwards. Brainwashed. You're weak-minded. And on and on it goes. Over and over again. And the reason why they will try and throw these labels upon you is because they want to control you. Listen, please. Listen. Labels are meant to shut you up. The truth should not be believed, and it certainly should not be spoken. And if you do not stay in line, that same scrutiny and mockery and dejecting labels will be hurled at you just as they did with Jesus Christ. But listen, that should not be a source of discouragement for you. It actually should be quite the opposite. If born liars tell you that you are on the wrong side, then you know you're walking in truth. If Christ is your Savior today, you're not antiquated. You're eternal. You are not ignorant. You are wise unto redemption. You're not uneducated. You're filled with the fullness and knowledge of God. You're not out of touch. You're in the beloved. You're not backwards, you're forwards. It's not your brain that has been washed. It's your sins. You do not have a weak mind, but God says he gives us power, love, and a sound mind. These are the designations that God has given to you. So why on earth would you ever listen to the deceitful, wicked, controlling label makers? Don't let the labels of this world intimidate you or cause you to shut up. It did not work for Christ, and it shouldn't for us. But that's not the only insidious reason why these people use labels. First, we saw they wanted to control Christ. That didn't work. So obviously, time for step two. They wanted to contain Christ. Look at verse 22 again. Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. That's already a problem. But here's the real problem, verse 23. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it. Uh-oh. See that? All the people. See, this was the real problem. It wasn't just what Christ believed, but that other people were starting to believe on him. The crowd was openly expressing all around them their adoration, their approval of Jesus Christ. So these Pharisees very quickly had to activate the label machine and try to stop and contain this. Listen, these labels were a personal attack, but they were also a public attack. It was meant for others to see and heard by all the spectators there. Because the truth is dangerous. The truth can spread. The truth can be believed, received, and worse off, they can be rejected. So it has to be contained. You see, listen, labels are meant to shut you up. But labels are also supposed to shut others out. The reason you see so much concentrated hatred and animosity toward Christianity specifically is not because you have received God's word, but you could cause someone else to receive it as well. 
If suffering is leading to healing, if bondage is turning to blessing, if people's lives are being saved and the word is spreading, how on the world are you going to put a negative spin on something so wonderful? You slap a label. Oh, you like being healed of your blindness? Yeah, yeah. What if I told you a demon did it? (laughs) Do you like being able to see? Well, enjoy the eyes given by Satan. (laughs) Could you imagine these poor people? They just give them five minutes to enjoy the miracle. They're a demon did it, and you're demonic too. Can you imagine that? But why would they do that? Because if they cannot dismiss the good, they couldn't deny it. I mean, it was right there, right? If they couldn't dismiss the good, and if they couldn't destroy the good, then they will seek to devalue the good. They will try to taint it, corrupt it, contain it with labels. They will say words to you like you're bigoted, racist, xenophobic, hateful, homophobic, transphobic, intolerant, a Nazi. That's a popular one. Fascist, and on and on it goes. Mind you, if you ever ask these people what those words mean, they don't have an answer for you. I don't know if you've ever tried that. I have. Someone said, you're a fascist. I am a lover of history. Tell me what a fascist is. A fascist is someone who's a fascist. Like, okay, great answer. Thank you. Wonderful American education system. But not only do they not know the answer, it doesn't stop them from using it anyway. These are public attacks meant for others to see and be shut out. There's just one little problem with that strategy. It's not the labels. It's the people who were giving them out. Oh, they claim to be the children of God. They claim that they held compassion and love in their hearts. They gave themselves very generous labels. Most handsome man ever. No, (laughs) Best Blaylock, middle child for life. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) Very generous labels. Most hair? No, most very generous labels. (laughs) Love you, Dad. That's not a label. That's just the truth, amen? Tomorrow I'm going to wake up. It's all going to be gone. God's going to judge me for my pride. Let's wear a toupee. But that's what people do, right? They give themselves very generous labels. But here's the problem. Their actions betrayed them. You realize this man who is possessed with the devil could say to those Pharisees, year after year, month after month, day after day, you saw me afflicted, screaming out in bondage and in pain and in suffering, and you did nothing to help me. In fact, not only did you not do anything, you saw me in the marketplace, you saw me in the back alley, but you walked on the other side. You wouldn't spit on me if I was on fire. And then you would tell other people to depart from me because I am unclean. And then here comes a man who says he is the son of God, and I am healed, and you have the audacity. To call him a demon. The demons were very clear to see. Ladies and gentlemen, when we look at the world around us filled with these label makers, we also need to look at this exact moment with our Savior and realize forever on for the rest of your life, you need to realize those who throw out the most false and wicked and hateful labels are the ones who are guilty of it themselves. No one looked the part better than a Pharisee. 
But the Lord Jesus revealed that they were nothing but pretty, polished, whited sepulchers filled with dead men's bones. It doesn't matter what their Twitter campaign was. It doesn't matter what they said their charity was. It doesn't matter what they say about human rights. They don't care about God's people. They talk a big game, but their actions always betray them. I really learned this for the first time when I worked at McDonald's. As you can tell, I learned a lot of life lessons at McDonald's, and no, I do not recommend you send your children there. My parents didn't love me. Um, actually, it was my fault. My mom said, Andy, Publix or McDonald's? I was like, I like food. So I picked McDonald's. My fault. My fault. My gluttony. My mistake. But I learned a lot at 15 and 16. But you might recall the story of a guy who always called me the Christian Crusader. He had many other labels that were very unkind. But I also made another friend. This was actually a friend. She was a young woman, slightly older than me, and she was from Dwyer High School. And there was nothing romantic there or anything, but a friendship began to blossom because she always asked me questions about the Bible. And she had a family that didn't go to church, and she started to go hungry and wanted to learn more. In so fact that she brought all of her goth friends one time late at night, and literally, I kid you not, eight goth kids came up to me at my register, and they went, we're here to talk about Revelation. <laughs> I'm like... I have a 15-minute break and a few minutes. Okay. I'm like, I'm like Lord, help me. <laughs> Think, take no thought in that hour. It'll be given what you say in that moment. But you know what's funny? I had the most wonderful conversation with them. Imagine that. And everyone was having a good time, except for one guy, the guy with the labels. See, he was a bleeding heart. He told me, oh, I worked with UNICEF and I do Habitat for Humanity and I give all this money and I think all of the rich should give to the poor. And man, did he talk a big game. And he constantly said how Christians are awful and terrible. And he said something about the Crusades. I'm like, buddy, I don't know if you know. Your... Anyway, that was a long time ago. Whatever. Um, so he just constantly boasted of himself, denigrated those around us, especially those who wanted to seek God's word. And then one fateful day, he came up to me, and he put his hands here, like really loud like that. And he goes, Andy, listen, I put up with your Christian nonsense, and I've tolerated you these last few months, and I'm fine with that. But don't you go dare polluting her mind and mess things up for me. Mess things up for you? What did he mean by that? I think you know exactly what he meant by that. This loving, altruistic generous soul had nothing but evil intentions in his heart for a young woman who simply wanted to learn more about God's word. So much for love. And I saw in the next few months him absolutely ruin and wreck her life. It's heartbreaking to see. This man who always boasted that he was so loving and progressive and moral. And you know what's really sad about this story? Is that for a moment in my youthful naivety, I, he caused me to doubt and to wonder. Maybe he is better and greater. Maybe he is more loving and compassionate. He boasted of so much. Then I saw his actions. Then I saw how he treated people, especially people who are seeking God. Ladies and gentlemen, do not let the hateful labels of this world doubt who you are in the Lord, but also don't let it distract you from who they really are. You heard the choir. We are all simply sinners saved by grace. 
And they can call you every phobic in the book. There's new ones, by the way. Every phobic in the book. But the truth is, you're not afraid of them. They're afraid of this. And they know it. Which leads to the final lesson today. They sought to control Christ and contain him. None of that worked. So finally, number three, they sought to condemn Christ. Look at verse 25 again. And when Jesus knew their thoughts, he said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Obviously. And if Satan cast out Satan, which is ludicrous, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. See, this was the problem. This was the heart of the matter. This was the implication, the declaration, the horrifying reality that what they have been saying for hundreds of years was wrong and Christ was right. That they did serve a kingdom, but it was not God's. When Jesus Christ said that the kingdom of God has come unto you, he is implying that it has not been here with them. If you want the conclusion of the matter this morning, the gist, the point, the cut to the chase, Andy, I want McDonald's now because of your story. Here it is. The reason for these labels is the same reason for everything Satan does in this world. That's it. That's it. All right, have a nice day. Thanks for coming today. No. <laughs> we said, well, hold on, Andy. What's Satan's objective? If you believe it or not, the objective of evil is not absolute destruction. The media is kind of distracted and lied to us about that. We think of like Sauron just you know, destroying Middle Earth or in the 90s there's a movie called The Never-Ending Story, The Nothing. The great nothing is just going to swallow everything. By the way, fun fact, that movie gave Rick a paralyzing fear of wolves for years. So make sure you embarrass him and ask him about it next time you see him. Say, hey, Rick, are you afraid of wolves? Love you, Rick. So just make sure you bother him about that. That was so funny. I was younger than him. I was laughing at him. Anyway. We saw that movie, and, you know, evil was the great nothing. It's just going to absorb and conquer everything, and everything's just going to die. That's not evil at all. Cain went and built a city. In the last days, with the Antichrist, there is commerce and industry and art and culture and technology and nations, and evil is everywhere. It's not destruction. It's not devastation. So what is it? What his objective has always been is not devastation. It's the destruction of the truth. Like we said before, you can believe what you want. Baby, you can do what you want. You can live how you want as long as it's not the truth of this book. The destruction of the truth. You know, there were a lot of religions, there were a lot of political groups, there were a lot of zealots in the Pharisees' day, but there was only one person that they wanted to crucify, and it was the one who was speaking the truth. You see, Jesus gave them a label, <laughs> but it was so much more than that. It was a designation, it was a revelation. He had the gall and the audacity and the authority to show who they really were. He showed people the truth. Ye serve your father, the devil. Uh-oh. Oh, no, no, no. Jesus, we call that an oh, no.